Hello and welcome to The Last Looks Podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. Now it's time for Kit Corner, where we shine a spotlight on artists who've created products with the film and television industry in mind. Products designed by artists for artists. Hi, James. Hey, Jamie. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Now, you are a professional makeup artist represented by The Wall Group. You are a global makeup ambassador for Rimmel, and you are the founder of the award-winning brand MyKitco. So what is MyKitco, and what inspired you to start your own makeup accessory company? Oof, it's quite, it's quite a lot of things. I, 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 feel, I feel busy just with you reading those out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so MyKitco really, I mean, it is my baby, actually. And, you know, I've been in the industry for a good 20 years, and I actually came up with the idea of MyKitco when I was living in Hong Kong. And, and I was coming to the end of a really amazing career with Mac. You know, I'd been with the brand for 15 years and had a, a fantastic time with them. But I was just noticing when I was talking to makeup artist friends of mine that we perhaps didn't have those brush styles that we were so familiar with back in the day. Some things were missing or I, I could kind of notice that perhaps the quality just wasn't there anymore in certain brands. First of all, it was meant to be a brush brand, my Kiko really, which soon escalated into being a bag and brush brand just because there was a need in the market. Again, you know, speaking with friends and trying to get these bags from all over the world, whether it was Ricky's in New York or going over to Namie's in um, LA, we would just be on like a constant treasure hunt for the perfect kit bag. And everyone's so passionate about their kits that I thought it was a bit of a no-brainer. So my kit was born out of, um, I guess, a bit of a need for good quality, really affordable, but really functional products you know, that made your kit look a certain way. They were really durable and you could be proud when you opened your kit, you know? That's awesome. Your brand feels unique and original. Can you tell me a little more about your design process and any product that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is. it does feel unique, I guess, because everything I design really comes from, comes from the heart. And it, I always try to identify a need. Like if I'm on set and I'm like, oh, if only this bag was this shape, or, you know, if only I had a bag that folded down into this, or, you know, I always like to have things that feel multi-use and multi-purpose. And a lot of the my Kitco classics, you know, they're one thing, but they're also another thing. You know, there'll be a pocket inside a pocket or a zip that kind of opens it up into a whole other thing. But when it comes to things like um, the Brush Buddy, for example, that was me literally sat at my kitchen table one night going, okay, I'm so tired of carrying around like a brush roll or a brush belt. I want something that stands upright, that gives you the ability to separate your clean and dirty brushes or arrange your brushes by style, for example. And so I, I kind of started piecing together this kind of Frankenstein bag of all of these different components and came up with the original Brush Buddy design, which I guess it's got to be one of my most proudest moments. And it was something that really felt new and different and innovative. And it kind of put my Kitco on the map, I think, in many ways. That's very cool. So at what point did you realize my Kitco was going to be such a success? Well, I'd always hoped it would be, obviously, because, you know, I left my amazing corporate job and relocated back to the UK and quit everything and, and thought, oh my God, now, so you have a brand that you're just starting. Like it, it just had to be successful. And I guess the first inkling we had that we were onto something really 
good was when, you know, we were being used and requested by industry greats like, you know, Lucia Peroni, Val Garland, just some really great names that took an instant shine to it. I guess for the quality of my Kitco and just kind of what we stood for. And I think within the first six months, we'd already been approached directly by Selfridges, which is obviously such a huge store here in the UK. And they asked us to be part of their beauty hall. So there was a couple of moments, but I think Selfridges are being a big first distributor and just seeing all of that love from the community. And, you know, it's not just the industry great. It's like it's just hearing from artists starting out and just saying your kit bags have changed the way that I, you know, store my makeup. That was just a lovely moment as well. So there's been lots of moments. Yeah, how exciting. How do you feel when you see your peers using your tools? Ah, it's amazing. You know, it's, you know, what actually a really funny moment. I was on the tube in, in London and obviously, you know, girls like to do their makeup when they're on their way to work. And there was a girl doing a bronzer with my Kitco brush. And I was like, that's amazing. That's like success. <laughs> you know, when you see like you're in, you're in there. But then I also, you know, whenever I see we get tagged in so much amazing content and just the genuine love for the brand and anything new that we bring out, you know, we just get such a, a great positive response. And so for that, I'm like eternally grateful. We wouldn't be anything without our my Kitco fans. I love it. Anything new on the horizon for my Kitco? I've actually used my downtime recently just to, to get back to designing bags and coming up with brand new ideas. So we're launching something that I feel I'm confident will be a bit of an industry game changer as well. I've got the same feels as I did when I designed the Brush Buddy and it felt like it was really new but really needed. So we have something coming up at the end of August, beginning of September, which will cross over perfectly into film and TV as well as backstage at the shows um, or just, you know, just for a good working makeup artist. The only thing I can give you a hint is it's not really a bag. It's a hybrid thing, but that is the biggest launch as well as some amazing new brushes, which I've just had the samples for today. They've just arrived in my office. So I'm buzzing about those, but also for the next buddy. That's always a nice moment for us. Yeah, looking forward to that. Where can people purchase my Kitco? So my Kitco, we have distribution um, worldwide, actually. We're with Beautylish in the US. Beauty Bay here in the UK. You can purchase in-store at Selfridges. Um, and we also have some amazing partnerships in New Zealand, Australia, Iceland, Spain. And obviously, if you want to get your full MyKitco experience, make sure you check out the website, which is www.mykitco.uk. And actually, we have an amazing offer for all of you lovely listeners. If you use the code THELASTLUX, so um, all one word, the last looks at checkout, you're going to get 25% off either our classic brush buddy or the big brush buddy as a thank you for all of your support. Yeah. So make sure you check us out, guys. Brilliant. Thank you so much, James. My pleasure. Lovely to speak to you, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Today, I'm speaking with Daniela Milton and Mandy Martin from the Milton Agency. We chat about the birth of the agency, what the role of an agent is, what representation means to them, and how important communication and trust are within the agent-artist relationship. Picture's up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Hi, thank you. You're very welcome. Hey, now, Daniela, you are the founder of the Milton Agency and are based here in LA. And Mandy, you're based in England and run the London office. The Milton Agency represents makeup artists, hairstylists, steady cam operators, costume designers. Is there anyone I'm forgetting? We have one, one director. <laughs> and a director? brilliant, for film, television and publicity worldwide. I want to start with you, Daniela. I want to hear the story of how the Milton Agency was born. Okay, well, this becomes murkier as I get older, to be honest. <laughs> it always does. <laughs> um, 
Well, basically, you know, I came, I arrived in Los Angeles in 1992, having mm-hmm. never worked in film. Everything I'd done up until that point was in fashion. Okay. So I arrived here with some notion of getting a fashion job and was just horrified that I, you know, there was nothing here really at that time, you know. Mm-hmm. And had it not been that the fashion industry, you know, would never have forgiven me if I'd just gone back to England, I would never have got a job again because it was like I'd said my goodbyes to everybody. It was like, oh, she's back, you know. Yeah. So I just stayed and I ended up getting a job as an assistant to the actress Angelica Houston. Oh, okay. And that proved to actually be the beginning of it all because for me, I stayed with Angelica, you know, for about seven years. And in that time, obviously, I was working on set and my closest friends were hair and makeup people because I'm in the trailer with them the whole time and the costumer and stuff like that, Angelica's costumer. Mm. So, you know, basically, I learned, I didn't realize it was sort of my apprenticeship because I learned what you guys done at that time. Obviously, there was no digital, but I learned things. I learned everything. And I actually started sort of negotiating between Angelica's makeup and hair people and Angelica's agent they'd tell me well this is what I want she would be the one at that time telling the producers what they wanted so I sort of become this weird sort of middleman for them in a way just by default you know Mm -hmm. so you know I did that for a number of years and one day I was in the trailer with I think we're in New Mexico I think it was New Mexico and I was with Narva Sedan she was Angelica's costumer fabulous fabulous girl Mm. and she started saying oh god I've got to do my deal and I really really hate the idea of doing it they're never going to give me what I want and I'm like oh what do you want because I'm really good at getting stuff for other people it was (laughs) that simple so she told me what she wanted and I went in I said I was a manager I had no idea what I was talking about no idea about anything but I come out and I said oh yeah I got that and I got that and I got that and she was thrilled and actually I think she would have got it too but it was she it was more the anticipation of what they were going to say than what Mm. they said do you know what I mean it wasn't anyway then we started that led to the conversation of how comes because coming from the fashion industry and Mandy will tell you this makeup and hair people they had agents everyone you know everyone had an agent I just didn't understand so I was saying to another how comes nobody has an agent hair and makeup agent and she was she was like, I don't know but maybe it's something you should do and I was like no I just wondered you know wonder why they don't have representation it seems to make no sense coming from the fashion industry I just didn't understand mm. the thing was word of mouth at that time you know producers would call 15 people you know yeah so basically a little later I found out I was pregnant with my first child Harrison and no I was on maternity leave and I think I had about four weeks maternity leave Mm -hmm. and Nava started telling everybody oh Daniela's going to be an agent I (laughs) I never said that that was not my plan at all that said I it did Okay, I was like, what am I going to do? Because to be a really good assistant for me, like I'm sure people can do can do it and they do do it and they do it fabulously. But for me, I just knew I wouldn't be, you know, as good an, uh, an assistant having a baby. But anyway, I worked it out and I sort of hung in. For, I told everyone who was phoning me, Bob Lorenz phoned me, Susan Germain, oh, all these people, you're going to be an agent and we're interested. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm, I'm not at all, no. <laughs> I didn't even know what it really meant. <laughs> so basically, I went back and I hung in there for another couple of well, a couple of years, and then 
found out I was pregnant again and I thought oh mm. this is it I I can't it's it was really hard for me because you miss so much of your babies you know mm. so I sort of started to think about the idea of being an agent and I basically just cut into the chase I got my agent's license and I worked a bit from Angelica's office because she had asked me to you know she said can you just stay on and, and do both but it became apparent really fast that that was not going to work I mean yeah the agency started growing before I did in a sense that there were so many people saying oh, you know and it, it was interesting because I couldn't pull in work then I didn't know what I was doing mm. you know I stumbled into the union heavily pregnant or not heavily pregnant but I was about five months pregnant and um John Inzarella was the name of the man that was there at the time. He was a fabulous man. I liked him a lot. He said it, he, he, you know, he was a straight talker. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I think he just must have felt sorry for me, honestly. I just waddled in there saying, I want to be an agent and I want to know how I can work with you. And it kind of was born by, like that in a way. And before I knew it, I was sitting on a sort of orange box on Hollywood Boulevard in an office thinking, what the hell have I done? You know, <laughs> no work. My husband at the time was an actor, which meant that he rarely had work. <laughs> and I was pregnant. I was like, oh, my God. Um, so really that was it, Jamie Lee. It just kind of, it was very organic and very odd and sort of just came to me. And as I say, it sort of grew faster than I could learn in a way. And my artists at the time, Bob Lorenz and Christina Smith and Kathy Blomdale and Catherine Gordon, Tina Earnshaw, all the American girls, they really helped me with the union rules, as did the union, you know, because I mm. didn't want to stand on their toes. I wanted to join them. I wanted to, and there was no template for it. There was no one doing it. You know, there was a couple of agents, uh, managers who had one, maybe one makeup artist or one hairdresser, but there wasn't anybody exclusively doing hair and makeup as an agent. So it was, yeah. I couldn't even base on it. In actual fact, I got highly criticized from a lot of the print agencies because they were upset that I was only charging 10%, right. you know, because they charge between 15 and 20 and I said, the day you get film people, then talk to me because you can't charge on a regular film shoot 20% of people's income. But anyway, that, that that's it in a nutshell. That's how it started. So there was obviously a need for it. I mean, everybody's coming to you, so that's pretty amazing. So you're just going along, just working it out, kind of trial and error, just fumbling <laughs> through it. Scrambling my way around and just listening to what people needed. And I think the need for it was... For me, anyway, I don't know how Mandy feels about this, but the need and the, the need still, I think, is that it just separates you guys from the deal. And so it just is a bridge between you and the producer, you know, mm. and hopefully when the deal's done, our objective is that it's a win-win. The producers are happy, you're happy, you know? Yeah. And that sort of was the need for it. People were sick. Just going back to that day in the trailer with Narva saying, oh, I don't want to do this deal. I'm dreading it. They always do this. They do that. They do the other. And, you know, it's kind of also when you do it for yourself, it's harder, isn't it? Anything is. And you're doing it for somebody else. It's much easier. Yeah, it's true. And I think being creatives as well, it's kind of not necessarily our ballpark. Like we're just like, I don't want to deal with this. This is not why I'm in this industry. <laughs> I don't want to have these conversations. Exactly. <laughs> I just want to get on with my job. And you want to have a different relationship with those producers and stuff as well, not that kind of back and forth 
bargaining, I guess. You, you, yeah. You're going to do that later with other things that you need. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, and just, you know, as I say, there was back in those days, in the early days, I couldn't get people a job. I, nobody even knew who, who I was. It took five years to really become a pinprick on the map of the film industry here. It was like it wasn't happening. So, yeah, it just took another burden off you guys, you know, to have to think about fighting for your deal. Yeah. So within that happening, I mean, you've got artists like hair and makeup artists interested in having you do that job for them. But how long does it take before producers kind of start coming to you to find people because I imagine at first maybe they were getting their own jobs but then you were their contact for getting their deal done and at some point that must have turned around a little bit more for when producers come to you and go we are needing a hair and makeup artist like how did how long did that all take five years I remember it was almost I mean yeah because basically at first when my artists were saying you know oh we have an agent producers were not welcoming of that initially right it wasn't until they realized oh hold on I've got a list here of 20 people why Mm -hmm. don't I call the Milton agency and see if they represent any of them because it's all they were doing was collecting resumes and asking availability so basically it was killing two birds with one stone or in their case sometimes depending on how many clients we had at the time, 15 birds with one stone or whatever, because, you know, uh, it was just, it took away. I think they, it made it easier for them too, and I think they realised that. At first it wasn't, you know, they were upset because I think they thought that we were going to try to get more money out of people and gouge them, and really it wasn't about that, and it, it really still honestly isn't. You mm. know? But, um, yeah, so I'd say five years before my phone started ringing for availability. That's awesome. And so when does Mandy come into the picture? I kind of baited Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Just, it's still happening. I'll let Mandy tell the story and take over from here. But, yeah, I, I try to avoid people asking this question <laughs> in fear that she, she's never going to forgive me. But, anyway, Mandy, you... Yeah. Yeah. Well, this. So this is my version of things. We um, have known each other for a really long time through fashion PR when I used to be in fashion and Daniela was working for Lynn Frank's PR, who was like the biggest fashion PR um, around at the time in London. And we always had a really mm-hmm. fond relationship. And I think it was one Christmas, Daniela would come home and I'd gone to meet her with her husband and we were talking about the office and Daniela, had, I, I'm... I think it was about an overflow, really. There was an overflow of of artists who were coming to London. Film wasn't as busy as it is now, but there was a presence um, of uh, the Milton Agency in London, but nobody really sort of in charge of it. And I can't really remember because I'm sure I was hypnotised or something (laughs) over that lunch. (laughs) But there was (laughs) some kind of conversation about needing somebody to come into London and do something. (laughs) And uh, I was, I mean, literally, this is is how I remember it. And uh, I had been, I'd worked in fashion for years. I'd taken a break from fashion and gone to study medicine and homeopathy. And I had been making jewellery, handmade jewellery which was really great and creative but I needed a regular job something part-time to to work alongside that 
And Dan had said, you know, why don't you go into the office and meet our bookkeeper there and, you know, maybe come in for a day a week and help out with whatever. I I can't even remember what the reason was. And I'd said, yes, I'd go in and do that. And I went in and I met who was then our bookkeeper, Leslie, in this tiny, tiny, if I tell you, it was literally, we called it the crow's nest. It was a teeny little (laughs) space. And it was a really funny arrangement because it was part of somebody else's photographic studio and they were really grumpy. Mm. So you had to be really (laughs) quiet in this space. And meanwhile, (laughs) I agreed to go in there to find somebody good to run the office. Uh, I think I'd been there for two weeks and Leslie, who was my um, meant to be my supporting act, said, Mm. you seem really capable and left. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I then started to look for someone to do the job. And I think that was like 2006. (laughs) Uh, 2007, I was still there. And... uh, here we are. <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I, we be, I became a partner in 2012 and we had like an overflow, probably about 10 clients uh, that we looked after. And if the phone rang in those days, I would jump out of my skin because it was so quiet, really. There wasn't that much going on. And then, you know, now we're, you know, we have, we moved into a big office there are four of us here in London we have nearly 42 artists I think that we look after here now wow and I'm still looking for somebody to run the business (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say that are you still looking for somebody to take over (laughs) I don't know I I literally I was drugged I think it was (laughs) something something happened but here we go it was all part of my evil cunning plan. Well, I don't think you sound too put out, Mandy. I think, oh, think you have no, actually, so that's good. Yeah, actually, it's it's funny because it's um, I go through moments when I think, how did that happen? But mostly, it's good. <laughs> and I usually convert the conversation at that point. Yeah. Oh, look at that over there! Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Some kind of weird magic going on there. Okay. Well. Yeah. <laughs> So now, Mandy, you guys have launched Milton Red. Yes. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we ultimately, as Dan has said, you know, we are mostly film and TV. And what we have found is in the past where we do personal jobs with talent, occasionally they will do a press tour or they will do some red carpet premiere and they will ask the artists that work with them to go and do that work. However, often we were finding that we were getting requests and artists were getting familiar with the publicists and familiar with the work, but they would then go off and do a film for long stints of three to six months. So the publicist would call and say, we're doing we've got a red carpet event, who have you got? And I would be scratching my head because people were on film. So we kind of had a conversation about it and it felt more, at the time, it was sort of more of a thing that we would be recruiting specifically for people who do red carpet publicity marketing personal appearances etc and really aren't going to disappear off on a film in the middle of it and so that was the idea of that we we launched it sort of a year and a half ago and it's been really great we've got some really great artists on there and what's fantastic for us with that is that we know that we can sort of offer people who will be available and in the country a lot of the time, rather than just be able to go and do sort of a one-off job 
and then go off and work on the film. And we also, of course, a lot of our artists do have really strong personal relationships with talent. And although they're on the main roster on the Milton Agency, they are available on red by special request. So, you know, we still have the original artists who like to do red carpet and press available mm-hmm. when they are not working on a film. And then we have a new roster of specifically chosen makeup and hair people who are here in, in mostly London-based, um, one in Paris, one in South Africa, actually. Yeah, that's really the story of Red. Yeah, that's awesome. It makes total sense. I mean, it all goes kind of hand in hand, doesn't yeah, it? absolutely. So as agents and being an agency for hairstylists and makeup artists, what is your role as an agent? I think Daniela nailed it probably before when she was saying that actually what people think being an agent is about getting work often. And I would say for me, certainly in the London office, it's a lot less about actually getting work for people, but more about being the buffer between an artist and the producer. Exactly as Daniela was saying before, really kind of protecting and negotiating on behalf of a client who doesn't really want to argue about a per diem with someone that they're going to have to work with. And, you know, making sure that our clients are taken care of, really. Would you say that's right, Dan? Yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely. Although I would say that most of my time is trying to secure work. I'm sure yours is too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Literally going through every single listing every week, yeah. no matter how small or how big, and knowing everything that's out there and just, you know, now... You know, after all these years, you know, and have so many relationships with producers, as does Mandy, that it's just easy to call up and say, how are you looking for someone? So it's a huge part. And I would say, you know, that first sort of five years and maybe even going on to eight years, I wasn't really pulling in work. But now, you know, there were people who come to us who had their own following and their own niche and they still get that repeat work. But the the sort of artists who are newer, not newer to the business, but newer to us, you know, we pull in a substantial amount of work. But artists get get it. It comes to them too. But I think that's the same for you, Mandy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we go through every production. Exactly. I mean, my objective is to, you know, our objective is to get work. That's the bottom line, to get work. And then, you know, whether that comes from us or from you guys, then that's when we start playing, you know, trying to uh, make it as easy and great a negotiation as possible for the artist. That all makes complete sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like some people on the outside not really knowing what an agent does thinks that it, it is purely just getting you work and that they don't really think about all the other stuff that's involved. Yeah, and I guess that's really kind of, you know, what I was speaking to is that some people, you know, immediately come, if they come, I meet people all the time who say, always ask, why do you want an agent or why do you want an agent now? And they often say, well, I, you know, I need work and my agent that I'm with now hasn't got me any. Right. And I will always kind of address that in a way to say, yeah. you know, it's, it's more than, you know, like Daniela says, we, we metaphorically, you know, march up and down the pavement looking for work for our artists. We study every, you know, publication that comes out, every sniff of a new job. Um, We're always aware of that. But I would say that that is part, very much part of it, not all of it. So when people sort of think that you are just there to get work, I guess that's my, what I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to the other 
elements of that. You know, sometimes just artists, you know, that, that I have here certainly want to just talk through projects. Is this the right thing for me right mm. now? Is this, you know, should I be doing another action movie or do I need more women? You know, all of those kind of nuanced questions that nobody else really can discuss with them in, in detail, I guess. Yeah, just having somebody to bounce everything off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally agree, Mandy. You know, when people come in and I ask them why they're looking for representation, if they say, well, my agent isn't getting me work, I'm like, I don't know an agent who doesn't want you to work. Yeah. You know, what's yeah. the point? You, yeah. <laughs> there's no agent out there who's just going, well, you know, it doesn't make any logical sense to me. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with Mandy, but I think what we both do is we bust our ass trying to get jobs, but you can't guarantee it, you know, and that's the truth. And that's what we say to everyone, you know, we can't guarantee it, but we will die trying, yeah, you know. <laughs> we yeah. often say, you know, we will do everything we can and we really do to get your resume in front of the mm. right people, but we can't do any more than that. Yeah. I mean, it, a, a large chunk of it really is up to the artist. I mean, you know, making those relationships and meeting the people while they're working to then work with those same people again. So to be asked back by production or talent or whoever. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's up to both parties really, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a collaboration and communication and, you know, it's a multifaceted answer really because we do, you know, you find that you become so close to people. You know so much about people's lives and it's also like about creating that sort of safe haven for people to feel like they can talk to you and mm. you will help them. People are different, you know, some people have, you know, they want to go on location don't want to go on location others do it's like everyone's really different so yeah I mean it's the role as an agent is as I say it's you know there's a lot of facets to that wouldn't you say Mandy yeah absolutely that's awesome so at what stage in someone's career would they start looking to be represented by an agent do you think well I I mean personally I would say it's once they well I think what Mandy said, once they start feeling that they really don't want to deal with their deals, so you start, they start, things start coming in and they start going, oh God, you know, I don't know what project to decide. I've got two things coming in. What mm -hmm. one do I decide? Or, you know, I think for me, that would probably be the best time for somebody to come in when they've sort of put themselves on the map a little bit, whether it's as an assistant, which normally is how you guys come up, you know, assisting people. Mm -hmm. And then once they start getting offered their own jobs from there, I think is when, and they feel like they, they might need a little bit of help to, you know, manage their, their stuff, then I think that's when an agent would come into play. What do you think, man? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think one of the things that I've noticed a lot, you know, similarly in London, since I've been doing this job, we faced a lot of resistance sort of, I suppose, behind the, the LA office in terms of, you know, producers not really wanting to deal with agents, makeup and hair artists in the UK not really having agents. So there was a bit of resistance mm. in it at the beginning for, for me. And then over the years, what I've noticed is, you know, as we've kind of moved towards having personals here as well, that's become a big thing for us in the London Agency. Artists who have worked with particular actors on projects and then, you know, as part of main team, 
And then they get asked to do a you know, major motion picture as a personal. And often that, that's when I will get a call from people who are moving up and will say, hey, I just did mm. so-and-so on this big project. And they've asked me to come along as a personal with them on their next movie. And I really don't know what to say or how to manage this. I think it's time for me to get an agent. So for me, that's something I've really noticed. But, you know, I think also that thing about getting to a stage where you're wanting a, a bad cop so that you can go on and just be the good cop on set, that you can actually say yes to, to mm. everything and smile and get on with your job and really do your job yeah. while it's, you know, Daniela and I who are having the conversations about money and things that, and overtime or things that might be a little bit awkward. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of advice would you give artists that are thinking about going down the agent path? Now, I was just going to say a, a lighthearted one, really, which is don't send me an email that starts off with, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so guilty of that. That's me. I'm not not a, but not to somebody that I have exactly. met before in a professional. That's right. My traditional. Yeah. I'll just. I'll just. My traditional professional manners. If you say hey, that's the end of the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Dan. I, I can't help you. Sorry, I can't help you. No, 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 it's so true. Um, I think, you know, it's probably a little bit, here there are so many agencies now, and I'm really proud of that, I have to say. People say, oh, does it worry you? And I'm like, not at all, bring it on. I think it's fantastic. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, I'm really, 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 really proud of that, that there are people that, you know, majority doing hair and makeup it's, it's fabulous yeah so for me I would say here in the US I would say go you know call up everybody mm. everybody and go and see those who will see you talk to them on the phone it's really about the fit I really feel that strongly absolutely there's nothing worse than feeling disconnected to an artist I hate it you know and yeah. it happens it happens and you struggle it's like a marriage of a sort, you know. It's like not all of them work. It's that simple. Yeah. I just feel that um, if it were me, if it were me and I was an artist, I would go and I'd see everybody because I'd want to know who I really think I can go to, you know, I can I, I can trust. Mm -hmm. And they're not just about getting, you know, you know, that's not how we operate, just about getting, you know, the most money or going in aggressively. That's not how I get things. I know it's not how Mandy gets things. It's about being reasonable. As I say, that's our agents. But, you know, I would say go and meet everybody and see who you fit with, who you, who you can trust. It's like hiring an accountant in a way. Can you trust them? You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Do you trust them? Can you walk out going, ugh, they seemed a bit slippery and didn't have any heart and I don't really trust. Or, you know what, I really feel like I'd like this person to represent me. And it really is about that word represent because we're the people talking to producers representing you. If we go in screaming and shouting about something, you know, that's no good. You know, that's not how I get things. I know some agents do and, and more power to them and, and that's their way and it, it works for them. I'm not, um, you know, putting that down. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. And within that, that may work for the type of personalities of the clients that they uh, have. Exactly, because people have said to me, you have to be really aggressive. 
So I don't like when people say that. First of all, they're telling me how to conduct my job. Um, (laughs) And secondly, it's not my style because a lot of these producers I know, we've built up a reputation because they can trust us. Uh, There's nothing worse than that feeling of um, having somebody in a corner. I don't like Mm. it. I'll never like it. But that, that's just me. I'll let Mandy talk of it. But for me, it would be, you know, it's different for Mandy because there aren't, I don't even know Mandy. There's one other person I know of in the UK. It's really only... Well, no, there's a few more now. Uh, over the last sort of four oh, or five there. years, there's, there's similar to what you were saying is that actually when I first sort of came in to, to do this, there was just us. And apart from yeah. like some of the majors who look after directors, producers, etc., but now there are a few more agencies that have come up and because there are there is so much more production here too. So I would always say the same thing. I always say, you know, go and meet anybody you're interested in. Yeah. Get a feel for it. Because we're not everybody's cup of tea. You know, we are, we work, both of us, I think, you know, from our heart. We are, what you see is pretty much what you get. We may not be the most sophisticated technological agency in town. <laughs> We don't have an electronic booking system yet. We, you know, we use whiteboards and notes, but we are all heart. And that doesn't always suit people. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I say, and I feel like it's a cliche, but it's like being part of a family. It requires two-way yeah, communication yeah. and trust. Yeah. And without that, if, if an artist is thinking that we're not on their side ever, it's the end of the marriage, really. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that I feel very, very passionately about is really make sure that we are the right fit for you because we may not be. And then Daniela has, has said exactly the thing that I often say myself, which is that, you know, representation. It is also a two-way thing. We actually mm. literally represent you. So if we are not the person that you would want sitting at the table with you, talking for you and mm. with you, and vice versa, you know, yeah. the artists also represent us when they're on set, when they're on social media. So it's a, a collaborative agreement and also a two-way relationship that is based on communication and trust for me. Yeah, 100% agree. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, makes total sense. And I do remember vividly, Daniela, that when I first spoke to you, yeah. you said to me, shop around, you know, and I... I <sighs> I think it was your website that made like kind of terrified me. I'll be honest, because it was so it was so fancy and flash, and I was like, oh my goodness. And then I was coming to meet you, and I was just saying, oh, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. Just like this big agent. And then I walked in the door, and I immediately just relaxed as soon as I met you because I was yeah. like, oh no, that no. Oh, what was I? What kind of craziness did I have in my mind? I was just like, no, she's just this wonderful, lovely lady. This is great. (laughs) I don't know what I kind of worked up in my mind, but it was just, and I'll be honest, after I met with you, I didn't talk to anybody else. Oh, well. (laughs) I was just like, no. Because I think you and I have a very good, I mean, it's one of the best working relationships, you know, I think. It's total trust. I, you know, I mean, from the minute that Rick Vindlater called me and said, there's this girl, she's just arrived in America. You should get her before she's going to be amazing. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you called, we set up the meeting and, and 
honestly, I haven't looked back. I mean, in all ways, you as a you as a, a, a human being is you, you're just a pleasure, Jamie Lee. You know, and you know, I feel like we trust each other totally, and I love that. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's the gold standard. <laughs> and it, I mean, yeah, it's it, it wasn't until we were in the same room and having the conversation, I was just like, I'm so comfortable talking to you. This is this is easy. This is someone I would like to work with. So at that point, I didn't feel like I needed to talk to anybody else. But I loved the fact that you were open to like push me to no no go and see other agencies, yeah. talk to other people. It's so important, so important, but. You know, if you do walk out, which I'm so glad you did walk out, uh, thinking that you didn't want to see anybody else. But I do like people to know there are other people. There might be somebody you sort of, you know, vibe with more, you know. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's been amazing since the day you walked in the door. So thank you for joining us. (laughs) Thank you for having me, guys. Now, I would like to know, what are some of the deciding factors for you when you are looking to sign an artist or even just approach them? I don't think Mandy has either. I've never approached anybody thus far. No. It just, you know why though? It's not me going, oh, I don't approach people. Mandy said, no, we won't approach people. We're too good for that. Not at all. What it is is uh, I don't know what I would say, Jamie. Mm -hmm. What would I say? Like, you know, because as Mandy and I have said, all you can do is your best and there's no promises. So unless you're going to call up somebody and say, hey, guess what? I can keep you working for the next five years. Yeah, I can't do that. So for me, if somebody, well, I think it's, it's a bit like, you know, the work speaks for itself. If you do good work in any field, you, you know, it's the best publicity, really, word of mouth, you know. So it for me, it was always word of mouth, just like the day Rick called called me about you it's like you know I'm not going to call call people but I'm always there to talk to and you know that for me is important that I wouldn't I don't do that but your question sorry your question I've sort of diverted sorry no, well, it was kind of it was two questions within one because it is when you're looking yeah. to actually sign somebody or approach so well, Mandy and I spoke about it and going oh my god you know, we've heard they're going to call. That would be wonderful. But I've never, you know, it's really that that golden moment of somebody calling is the key for me because then they're serious about getting an agent and wanting to chat and stuff. Um, what we're looking for, I think, is what we're talking about. When you do finally meet someone is getting along with them, you know, looking at their work, knowing their work, having mm-hmm. studied their work. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what they're capable of, you know, and gut instincts as well about people, I think. But Mandy should speak more yeah, on this. Well, I think too. pretty much the same. You know, we've never, I don't think ever in the history of the agency we've approached anyone to join at all. But like Dan says, you know, it's not because we're like, oh, we wouldn't, it's beneath us. Just because it's like if people want to find you, and, you know, they'll ask around. I mm. think, you know, it's a big industry and a very small industry. Yeah. So people will say, you know, what about so-and-so? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thinking about getting an agent. People might say, recommend or suggest. And there are people that I hear about. You know, I, I've been very lucky here because up until recently, my assistant, Jane, um, she was with us for about five years here. And she's just left to have a baby. But she came from mm. the industry. She, you know... Um, had been working as part of main team on quite a few big projects in the UK. And so she was a really good gauge for me. She was also a really close friend of mine. So 
people would sometimes approach and I would say, how are they to work with? Because their work may be beautiful, but if I'm having to work with somebody on a day-to-day basis and they're not very nice to people or that, you know, there's reputation, people, there's a lot that happens, as, as we all know, on set. And it's a small world. And that, for yeah. me, because of because we are a small kind of boutique family business, really, um, we don't want uh, a fox in the coop, yeah. really. And so um, yeah. that that feels always to me really important. Like, what do I know about these people? How do people react when their name is mentioned? Um, they could be the most talented mm. artists in the world, but if they're going to come with a difficult attitude and a bad reputation, I, I certainly wouldn't consider representing them. For the same reason, as I said earlier, that the representation is a two-way street and they will also be representing mm. us as an agency. Yeah. And that's just not who Daniela and I are. Okay. Speaking for you, Dan, sorry, yeah, right. but we're not. <laughs> no, you absolutely can speak for me for every part of my life, Mandy. And, uh, <laughs> no, it would probably be very accurate. So, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, what are some of the more challenging parts of your job, do you think? Oh, God. How long, How long, God. How long do we have on here? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things, really. But I think the most challenging is to make it a win-win situation. Yeah. You know, I want to walk away from that deal going that my artist, our artist, can walk in there to that production and producers are not like, oh, God, here they are, this pain in the ass because mm-hmm. I've because it's been a bad negotiation, you know what I mean? You, you know, I, I go to all lengths to make it the most pleasant and because I'm not the one, Amanda's not the one who walks in there and does that job, you are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a challenge sometimes. Sometimes it's not. And, you know, again, um, in terms of artists, again, that famous word we keep talking about, trust. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you do get the sense that, your artist doesn't trust what you're doing or how you're doing it. And that is so painful for me. And I'm, I'm sure it is for Mandy. Absolutely. It's me up at night, honestly, because regardless to, you know, we're all humans and regardless to what you think of people, you know, your artist, if you think they're being unreasonable in what they want, because sometimes that happens, I still want them to trust that I'm going to go out and do the best job that I can for them and, and know that in the heart. So for me, that's a challenge sometimes. What do you think, Mandy? Yeah, I would say that absolutely that's one of the things that, that I think is that the trust element, that you are always going to do the very best job for someone, that you end up also sometimes being the sin eater. So, you know, because of exactly what we said before, that we are there to kind of, you know, be the bad cop in a way, but, but also that mm-hmm. sometimes that takes its toll. You know, I, I don't really want to fight. I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not maybe the right job sometimes for a lover <laughs> because, you know, what, but I want to save the energy for a quote-unquote fight or for a challenge or a negotiation with the right people. I don't want to feel that I'm having to mm-hmm. kind of fight with the artist's who are on my team, we're, we're all on the same side. So I would say that that can sometimes be challenging. And also for me, you know, as I've kind of 
said earlier, I think we are a family. And when the, the trust isn't there sometimes, you know, Daniela and I both wear our heart on our sleeve a little bit. We should maybe be tougher, but I think it might take the heart out of the business sometimes. Yeah. So we take things personally. Yeah. We've talked about it a lot between us and we try not to. So I think, and controversially, you know, we, we look after a lot of people and the skill of a good agent is, I guess, also to make each artist feel that you're the only one. And on occasion, yeah. there is that feeling that people forget that we are doing so much work. We're working really hard, you know, above and beyond often for each individual as well as the collective. And that we are also human. And I think that sometimes gets overlooked. We're not machines. We have feelings. <laughs> and sometimes I think in the heat of the moment, because things can be stressful on set, and when we're talking about money, it's always sensitive. But, you know, we are, you know, if you cut us, do we not bleed? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess within that, are there things that your clients do that make it more difficult or easier for you to do your job for them? For me, certainly just that reiteration of trust us. We're not against you. We're always for you. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, if you're not working, we're not earning. Yeah. So we're all on the same trajectory. And I think sometimes when that's forgotten or when I feel like with some clients that we're fighting each other or not fighting isn't really the right word, but but it's trust. It feels a bit boring that that word is coming up so much. But it really is, for me, a really important element is that, no, I'm always doing my best for you. And also that I can get things wrong yeah. <laughs> I can make mistakes or forget something yeah. forget to call you back or get distracted or you know put a dollar instead of a pound for a minute you know human error I guess is really you know to have a leeway for that is really important too yeah just having some understanding of how much you're actually balancing yeah. on your side of things yeah I think for me as well what's helpful to me is when an artist knows what they want as much as they can. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes, you know, Jamie Lee, we've been in that situation. Oh, God, do we take this job? Do we do that? And there's things like that you have to work out. But pretty much you're quite, You, I would consider you a very decisive person. That is hilarious that you're saying that because I was about to say that that's, that's normally the longest conversations we're having is, I don't know what to do, Danielle. <laughs> you know, no, like you don't know what to do. None of us know what to do if you're offered two things at once in case that happens a lot yeah but you know what to do within it like you're bound you know you're you're easy going to a point you're not going to do something that makes you feel uncomfortable whereas you know the worst thing that can one of the things I don't like is like listen you know there's this job I really want to do it but I don't want to do it for the money but don't lose the job and you're sort of oh god you're treading on this thin ice you know and you're like I'm gonna fall through any second because I really need to know what is your bottom line here you know what will you say the more that you can kind of know you know but the worst time is if somebody is indecisive about most aspects right (laughs) I don't know if I want to go on location I don't know if I want to do it for that money I don't know if I want to do the job at all I don't but don't lose it don't lose it you know you you end up feeling like you know you're up for failure in some way 
So for me, um, you know, to make our job easier, again, trust, as Mandy spoke of. And, you know, because if you don't trust us, you really shouldn't be here. It's that simple. It's, you know, it's that simple. But, yeah, when we bring a job to you or you bring a job to us, if there's something, you know, of course, there's loads of, you know, things we can't decide on straight away that have to be. Mm-hmm. But when there's so many and it's like, Really, everything an artist says sometimes is like, I really don't want to do this job. But then in the next breath, it's like, but don't lose it. Don't lose it. And you're like, uh, the classic is you've got producers. Mandy, I'm sure you know this one. This is another thing where they people can make it easier. So we bring a job. Usually this is the way around. We'll bring a job. We'll say there's this job. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do it. Okay, but I need, they need an answer because they're moving on. Mm. And then that person disappears. They become a disappearing, invisible human being. You can't get. And then you'll get a text saying, "Just tell them that I'm, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, you can't get hold of me." Oh, I hate that because, you know, you're at the gate here, and then it's don't lose the job. And then you've got the producer saying, "Listen, we're moving on. If we don't get an answer, we can't give an answer because yeah. nobody's coming <laughs> So I, I don't know if that's making any sense. But no, it is. Yeah. It's trying to dangle somebody along, like, yeah, lead them along with so, a little string, the producer, while you're waiting for, come on, I need an answer. I need an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I find that certainly. And similarly, one of the things that, you know, I guess drives me crazy is this idea of the question about, I don't want to do it for that. So what should I say? I don't say anything. <laughs> and, that that idea of, you know, we've got something is going on and really there's a lot of kind of resistance to what's on offer. But the option that we have is to say no or to take the offer when we've reached that point of negotiation where this is what's on the table, but nobody will give you the go ahead to either walk away because nobody really wants to walk away, but they sometimes just want to stay in a position of feeling annoyed about what they didn't get so that's kind of one of those things that I I struggle with and on the contrary to that I have to say that I am always so touched when people just out of the blue send a card to say I appreciate what you did there and you know thank you for that yeah or you know really that that just a moment because of course we are a service And we get paid to do the job. And we go over and above what most agents actually, I think, would do. I have a client in mind that I've worked with from the beginning and sort of going through the process of working in the UK, doing what he wanted to do and ending up sort of being a guest of his when he collected an Oscar, for me, was one of the most, honestly, most moving and wonderful moments to, to be on that journey with a client. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow, it's wonderful. That's a highlight for sure, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so in turn, what do you enjoy most about what you guys do? Well, for me, I would say, I mean, obviously when something comes together and we get that win-win situation, that's that's really great. And you guys are happy, producers are happy, everyone's happy, of course. It doesn't always work out like that, but that's a good moment. But I think for me, what I really enjoy is when a producer will call me and say, 
And this happened a few years ago with um, the film uh, Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk, which Ang Lee directed. And I had a call from a producer and he said, Daniela, I know you guys represent some amazing people, but this is really going to call for people. The way Ang is shooting this, it's, it's um, at such a speed, it's really going to call for incredibly um, talented, you know, mm-hmm. to do it and patience and all of that. Oh, that was so lovely to hear that because guess why? It was somebody interested in the craft. Mm-hmm. You know, the sad part is when you get the calls, who have you got and how much are they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on the flip side, it's the same for me with an artist when, you know, I first hear, well, how much they pay? And I'm like, do you want to hear about the job and the creative aspect of it? Because sometimes if I was an artist, I know that would really come into play for me. I'd want to feel passionate about the project and it's not always about the money yes we need the money and we want Mm -hmm. it to be good Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes it's about the what you guys got in it into it in the beginning you know what I mean why you got into it was you enjoyed the creative process and yeah I totally that resonates with me I think there's a lot of times that it's the last question that I ask you or don't even ask you because I'm like oh I'm gonna get I know I'm gonna get paid but whatever like what's going on in this film (laughs) yeah you're you're a beautiful example of joy to be honest because You know, that is lovely because if I say, hey, there's this project and it's this direction, I get very, my heart often beats much faster than the artist because I'm so excited about it. And it's very disheartening for me. Mm. People aren't focused on the creative side of it because that's, you know, of course what you all got involved for. Um, So, yeah, so that is pleasing to me when people say, well, is there... You know, like, are there any wigs? What period is it? Oh, it's period. That's fantastic. You know, and again, not to put down money. We all need it. We all Mm. need it. We know that. And we will do the best within whatever deal to get you the most we can get. But to start off with initially, what makes me smile and feel good is when people, you know, start out with being interested in the creative side of it. Yeah, being excited by the project itself. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think my response is probably just the same, actually. One of the other things that gives me great sort of satisfaction is if there's something that somebody really wants to do and they do say, listen, I've heard of this thing happening. From a creative perspective, this is a director I've always wanted to work with. Is there any chance you can get my resume over or, you know, can I can my CV be delivered somewhere? Or And sometimes you do think, mm, I'm not sure that necessarily this is the right fit, but I'm really going to make it, you know, my job to get this person seen. And then they get seen and then they get the job. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's something I absolutely love. I will normally phone Daniela with excitement about that. Yeah, that's cool. So having not been in the industry as hairstylist or makeup artist yourself, I mean, I know, Daniela, you said that you were in the trailer a lot back in the the day. And Mandy, you had Jane working with you who'd been in the industry. But how do you guys keep up with how it all works for your artists on set and help understand kind of what they're dealing with on a daily basis? I think for me, obviously, yeah, I come from, you know, I did understand the set at the time. That said, (laughs) that's all changed. But I think because we have such close relationships with our artists, most of the time, 
hopefully that's the case. Mm-hmm. And so we, we're always checking in, how's it going, What's it? if there's a problem, if there's an issue, if there's not, if it's going well, the challenges, you know, and we learn that way. We learn, we learn from people talking about their uh, their mistakes or, you know, you know, I learned early on, oh, a no makeup look is actually quite a lot of makeup. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's for me just, to, you know, keeping abreast of what everybody's doing as much as, as you possibly can. And our artists also telling us what's going on, if it's going well, if it's not, if, you know, not only calling us if, it, us if it's not going well, but calling us when it's going well too. And yeah. so that we know, you know, and, and just telling sort of um, different technical things that they've had to do and their challenges. I think that's really how I learn. And also I learn a lot from the bake-off every year because when people stand up and they have to say creatively mm. what, what they did, I think my first bake-off was, well, it was 20 years ago. And I remember Lois Burwell, who was not a client at that time, technically talking about saving private ryan and i was amazed Mm. at the stuff that she was doing and she was very eloquent about explaining it and yeah so you know it's just listening really and learning soon as we're not on set but i think we've grasped it now really well i suppose you know i you know harking back to the witchcraft that happened when i started this job um (laughs) Sitting in the office, all all by myself, with producers calling and saying, "Who have you got available for?" and going, "You know, so and so, I'm the UPM," and literally sitting at the computer googling UPM <laughs> and getting and getting some kind of like chemical response. Thinking it can't be that; it's got to be something else. <laughs> and literally, uh, you know, that is absolutely true. I learnt. On the job, I literally was like having, you know, really not known any of the terminology or anything. An LP I thought was a long playing record, (laughs) Uh, giving my age away. I literally kind of learned as I went along. I would say that one of the things that I really love is that some of the clients really involved me from the beginning. Uh, I don't always have time to be that involved, but there were one or two who would even sort of discuss the script with me, discuss the period. And actually, when we do have the time for that information, mm-hmm. it really, really helps me to do a deal because I have much more of an understanding about, you know, wigs, how many wigs and why they need two different wigs. I mean, I really love getting into those details of understanding why I'm negotiating yeah. what I'm negotiating. So not everybody does do that. A lot of people kind of really, you know, just want the deal done. But a few of the clients will involve me in that process Mm -hmm. that brings the job to life. I very, very rarely go on set. I mean, I know some agents do that all the time, but it's not really something I'm interested in doing ever. Um, Not because I don't want to see what they're doing, but Mm. I just think while we're on set, we're not doing the rest of our work but on the occasions that I have been you know to see it all come to life and to really kind of see the creative process to go on the trailers and to you know see how it all works really kind of reminds me that we are doing a creative based job rather than an office job and that personally for me feels really important yeah and I'd agree with the the on-set stuff I mean 
initially when I started out doing this, a lot of people wanted me to come on set and I would occasionally go, but I never liked it because I, I mean, I, I liked it, but I, I knew that really you're yeah. just in the way. <laughs> You know, it's just in the way because I remember, you know, sometimes when Angelica's agent would come to set and she had every right to be there and Angelica would be the star of the movie, you know, you're just in the way. And I remember people talking, oh, you know, it's like, so for me, it's like, if if I'm on set, I want to have a job, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I would like to know, and this is probably maybe a cheeky question, but how do you truly know that an artist you're representing is any good at their job? (laughs) Do you get, like, how do you know? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think, you know, if an artist has a certain body of work and they come to have a certain body of work, you, you know, you, you do your homework before they come in and you look at the work. If you don't already know it, we probably, you know, we look at everybody's works as much as mm. we can. So, but, you know, it's it's not only being good at their job technically. Mm. It's being good at their job as a human being right? in terms of personality. For me, you know, I would say that nobody wants a pain in the ass on set. Nobody, you know. Yeah. So, you know, for me, if you're a good all-rounder, like going back to you, using you as a complete shiny example, generally. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know, no, I mean, seriously, it, you know, you you know the work. If you don't know their work because they're a newer artist, you know, it's usually based off a, a bigger artist further along in their career, you know, mm. giving you the recommendation, you know, and saying this person, like Rick did with you, like this person is amazing. You have to, yeah. you know, you really have to go. So, so for me, it would be good at their job would be twofold. The, the technical stuff, it's pretty easy to see and find out. Yeah. It's finding out whether they're good with the actors, good with the producers, a diplomatic, you know, mm. um, and generally, you know, that that for me would be that's how I would answer that. So do you tend to get feedback from production? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, and that's I good. mean I call production most of the time. When it's a few weeks into shooting, I will call and say, Hey, how's it going? Just check in. Yeah, and just check in. I mean, generally speaking, if you haven't heard anything, it's going well. Yeah, that's across the board with the film industry, I think. You know, if you don't, if you're getting (laughs) the call from a producer, you know, and then I'm like, oh, God, what's this about? Because Uh they generally (laughs) tend to not call really once if everything's going fine and if it's not that's when you get the call yeah so yeah I remember being told yeah. that um no news is good news yes yeah <laughs> yeah and and I would say I don't know how you feel Mandy but yeah I would say exactly the same I guess it's um I, I'm not really that much more to add to that I think it's certainly there's so much more than just the craft Okay. You know, personality, how mm. you are perceived by production, how you treat team members below and above, all of those things, as well as just, you know, the, I think the easiest part is to really just like look at images and to see, to, to know the work, to familiarise yourself with the actual work itself. But I think that that's really just half of what we're thinking about when we're considering how people are to work with. Yeah, and I think it's the same for the producers looking to hire as well. I mean, they want someone who's 
good at the art but also you know yeah. someone that they can communicate with and get on with and that just gets on with the job and isn't going to cause yeah. them stress so yeah it's across the board really yeah I mean a lot of the time producers will say you know it will be one of their questions like yeah. I want someone easy going mm. I really don't want trailer drama you know, yeah. and then sometimes people ask me that question, what are they like? And I'm like, you know, look, this is such a, I, you know, I don't work in the trailer with, with any of you. Mm. And I think our relationship with you guys is very different mm. from your trailer relationships. You know, some people don't get on with the other person or, you know, things happen. Things mm. happen, you know, regardless. I like to try to put people together. If a pilot comes in or a commercial or something very short, I really like people to try other people. Mm -hmm. I, I try to push for that because I think it's a good way of expanding your horizon in a sense of work. You, you meet new people, they get job offers and they're like, oh, we want Jamie Lee for that. Uh, I'd love to work with her again. I mean, that happened with uh, you and Tina. You know, Tina's called me going, oh, my God, we've got to work again together. And, <laughs> and, and, and you were, you were. Yeah, but, love you know, Tina. I mean, so that's lovely. I love that when that happens, when people get along. And I think it's nice to try it out on the short things to see if you work creatively and personalities and all that the short ones are always good good sort of trial and error of those things yeah I think. kind of test the waters yeah. and from your guys perspective and where you're working from how do you feel the industry has changed over the years well I think you know certainly for us here it's streaming and television I remember, uh, you know, I, I often laugh about this, that mm -hmm. we, we were offered Game of Thrones early days when I was just sort of learning really about the industry. And I said, oh, we don't really do TV and let it go. And, you know, that's one of those things that I look back and think, mm -hmm. how the hell did that happen? Luckily, it came back and, um, you know, it, we ended up sort of working with it. But mm -hmm. I think there was a time when television for us in London and the UK wasn't, as creative as film whereas having seen such a huge shift in that television mm -hmm. is amazing at the moment the different sort of streaming opportunities and yeah more creative projects that are coming through uh you know i would say that that maybe is making a change in terms of you know, more content and therefore more opportunity for smaller and medium mm -hmm. projects rather than just big studio projects which, you know, of course we love those, but it's also, I, I feel very passionately yeah. about independent film. And so seeing different opportunities for projects to come through. So that's one thing. And, and, and also I have a huge passion about diversity and really wanting to, to see there's still a long, long, long way to go in the industry. But people sort of paying attention to diversity of all yeah. kinds at the moment, or it, it's certainly on an agenda and it's certainly being discussed, and I can see things changing, and that is something that's really important to me in terms of change. Yeah, I don't know what you. It's the same for you, Dan. Yeah, of course. I mean, that goes without saying. I agree with everything you say. I mean, I think that is the biggest shifts that we've seen, apart from the obvious, from going from, as I said, from Polaroids. I mean, everything is so fast now, having phones and 
everything just can be done at such an incredible speed. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's, and I, I assume too that means artists that were maybe only doing film are now stepping into television a little bit more because the quality of television is amazing. So Yeah, like really, you know, back in the day when we used to get asked about television here, I think TV's always been slightly better in the States in some ways in terms of there's always been kind of a restricted, like, the, you know, the channels will always have their go-to people. So the television projects that were interesting never came to us as an agency. Mm. They were very much kind of in-house in some ways. And so seeing right. that shift and the quality of production for television has just been mind-blowing in the short time that I've been doing this, really. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much, ladies, for your time. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, thank you. And very educational. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Jamie Lee. Thank you so much, Jamie Lee. It's been really great for us too. For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people. 